Gospel of John. Call it Highlights from John. And, um, you know, the way I kind of approach things like this, you know, is different than some others might, you know, and, and there's probably people that can do things better, but whatever, we don't compare. I tend to look at where we're going, like the this week we're looking at John chapter 9, and I read it a few times, and I look and I think, what is standing out to me? And that's what we go with, okay? And frankly, it's kind of how I've lived for over 40 years, you know? Sometimes, you know, when I, I remember as a young dad, here you go, here's the Father Day message, you know, part of the message. I remember the kids would be sick or something, and you know, I, I know literally, you know, at least scores of scriptures about healing, okay? So I'd, I'd get that out, and I'd just look at different healing scriptures, but I'd look for the ones that had some zing on it for me. Do you know what I mean? Because they're all good. You know, they're all good. You could go anywhere. But look for what the Holy Spirit is making alive to you at the time, okay? And, and uh, I, I was just, I'll just go here, too. We live in very interesting days, you know, and uh, I, I won't get into a whole lot of that. And anybody here knows if you're alive, you know, there's all kinds of things out there that are going on in this world. You know what your job is? Your job is simply to stay in the spirit. Now, that sounds easy, but it just doesn't fall on you naturally. It falls supernaturally. You know, I, 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 I'm just like you. Any given week, I'm confronted with numerous challenges. In fact, any given day, I pass up marvelous opportunities to be sick. My body has done crazy things to me in the last whatever. And I just, I have to go, no! I'm not going there. I, I remember one time, Dana, I, and again, this, you know, sometimes I've missed it, okay? Sometimes I, I, whatever, you know, I'm learning too. I remember one time Dana was taking the laundry down the stairs and she tripped going down the stairs. And, and uh, that's never fun. And you know how you can feel certain things and because you've lived a while, you know what they are? And she knew she threw her ankle out. She knew she sprained her ankle. So you know what she did? She stood up, you know, got at the bottom of the stairs. I wasn't around. And, and she just went, I'm not going to have it. And she stomped right on her ankle, and you know what? It was fine. Now, that is not a magic formula, okay? I'm not telling you that's the thing you do every time. What did I say? Our job is to stay in the spirit. That's where people get goofy is because they see something that works for somebody one time and they, and they make it a, a, a formula. And they think, well, this is what we do whenever we are faced with this situation. We do this. No, you don't. You stay in tune with God. You know, I've, I've been at a couple of weddings this month. And, and uh, it's, it's interesting going to weddings as a pastor because, you know, if you go to weddings normally, you know, you're, you're part, it's part of your family or whatever, and you tend to know most of the people, at least half the people there. Can we say that? But as a pastor, you go to a wedding, and basically you don't know anybody except the people getting married maybe. 
And, and a lot of times it's like that, or my wife. And, and sometimes um, I get, you know, with Dana, I'll get separated from her. But, you know, if I'm at an event with my wife and I get separated, you know what? Part, there's something in me, maybe it's even unconscious, but I'm always zeroing in trying to figure out where she is. Do you know what I mean? Like we were at one yesterday and I was off talking and I knew she was off talking somewhere, but in my mind I'm thinking, okay, where is Dana? And I kind of had an idea and I went and found her, you know, when I had a chance. And I thought, that's how we need to live our lives with the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? Always be conscious of him. What he's doing, what he's saying to you. Again, you know, I say stay in the spirit. That's part of what I mean when I say that. People have different ideas of what that could mean. But really what I'm saying is be conscious of him. Watch what he's doing. And, you know, I've been continuing to keep a list on my, my counter at home of just God showing up in life. You know what I mean? Just because I tend to, are you like me? I'm so guilty of this. He does great things every day. And then someone says, you got any good testimonies? And I'm like, yeah, the coffee was good today. Yeah. You know, and, and thank God for that. I think God's behind that kind of thing too, you know, but, but he's done bigger things than that. So I'm trying to, trying to be better at it. And, you know, that's all you do is you, you just, in life, you try to do better. You know, don't come down on yourself. Don't say, oh, I'm a worm. I didn't do that. Do you hear what pastor's talking about? I missed it. Oh, my... No, try to do better. Try to do better. I'm going to read John chapter 1, just verse I read every time. It says, in the beginning, this is out of the Passion translation, it says, in the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. And again, that, that is just kind of some, a term, a, a phrase that stood out to me when we began this series, is that Jesus, you know, that's what John said, or the writer of the Passion Translation said, John said, we'll have to get to heaven someday and ask John, is that what you meant? But anyway, he called Jesus the living expression. I don't know, that just kind of resonates in my heart. You know, I look at it, and I look at Jesus' ministry, and he was coming to be this living expression of heaven. And, and, um, so anyway, moving on into uh, today is John chapter 9. And the, what stood out to me is, is the whole chapter is really good, and there's some other things I want to read this morning. But, but what stood out to me, I was just minding my own business, really, and this, this verse just came to me, and I thought, oh, that's in John 9. You know, because I'd read it a few times this, you know, recently. And it said this, it says, this is talking about the man, the whole chapter is about the man who was born blind, okay? Does that bring a bell with anybody? You'll see as we go. But in John 9.25, this is the verse that came to me. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now I see. It's, it's interesting to me, too, that all of chapter 9 is about one story. I mean, Jesus, my goodness, that guy was having stories. You know, John said at the end of the gospel, he said, 
if you know we wrote down everything that happened with Jesus, there wouldn't be books enough to contain it. So he, he surpassed my little note card on the counter that I keep up, you know. But, but for whatever reason, he took a whole chapter to talk about this one incident where Jesus comes up to a man, and again, we'll read a little bit more later, who had been blind since birth. There was some controversy about that, but Jesus, you know, threw mud in his eye. That's maybe a quick way to say it. And he went and washed, and he came back, and he could see. And you'd think, you know, everybody would rejoice at that, but people that were caught up into religious, religious duties and systems, they, they didn't like their cart being, you know, ruffled up or whatever. And, and it, it became a bit of a controversy that this man was healed. And, you know, whatever day it was, might have, it was the Sabbath day. Uh, he said, but here's what the man said when being questioned. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that amazing? You know, some folks aren't blind um, physically. Thank God most of us aren't, you know. But, but a lot of folks get blind spiritually, you know. Isn't it a, a crazy thing that, that you could hear things from the gospel and hear things about Jesus, but then all of a sudden you get born again and all of a sudden they make sense. I remember when Dana and I were, were I guess we were newlyweds, okay, and, and uh, we'd been married less than a year, I think, and we went to visit her parents in Chippewa Falls at the time, and uh, Dana and I had had these discussions, and she, you know, I, I knew the family pretty well, you know, as a newcomer and all. And I knew her mom was like a really strong Christian. Some of you guys know Dana's mom. She is that today yet. And Dana's dad at the time was a bit of a loose cannon, you know. Uh, he, was, he was interesting, a great heart. But it, was, it wasn't until we'd been married about a year that we discovered that he, he had made a decision to receive Jesus. But Dana was saying to me, she says, you know, I just, I, I have a hard time sometimes uh, how I could grow up in this home and my mom never made the gospel plain to me. So again, I'm with Dana, we're at her folks, and we kind of go through her old dresser drawer in her bedroom when she was a kid. And her mom had saved certain things, and she pulls out this letter that her mom had written to her years ago, and she reads it, and she goes, oh my goodness. And in the letter, her mom had just spelled salvation out so clearly. But at the time, she read it, and she was blind and couldn't see. Now she read it with new eyes, and she says, oh, she did talk to me. Anybody else have experiences like that? You know, in, in Psalm 119, verse 18, I believe it's David. Uh, you know, different people wrote in the Psalms, but, but uh, David wrote a good chunk of them. And I'm pretty sure, 98% sure it was David here. How's that for pastoral leeway? This is what he said. I'm reading out of the Living Bible. He said, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Now, I, I don't think David was blind. We've read a lot of things about David. But he said, he recognized this, that there is something more to see than what we see with the physical eye. And we would be 
at a big disadvantage in the world today if we don't know this. Open our eyes that we can see wonderful things. And the reason I read it out of the living, most versions are very similar. But most versions said things out of your law. And it just happened that the living Bible said out of your word. And honestly, when they use the word law, like they, you know, many versions would use in Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I see wonderful things in your law, they're really talking about the Bible, okay? The law was just a word they used back then to refer to, especially the first five books of the Bible was the law, and then there's the prophets and, you know, all this stuff. But, but you know, the Holy Spirit can open your eyes to see wonderful things in the word. The Holy Spirit can open your eyes to see things that you need to see on a daily basis, okay? He can open your eyes to see things, you know, that will have impact in your life. Now, in Genesis, I, I'll just give you a couple scriptures here talking about eyes being open. But in Genesis 3-7 is, a, is probably the first one. It was back in the garden. And, and how many know have read Genesis and you know that the first couple chapters are Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and uh, I love there's one, one verse that, that said that I think it's in chapter 1 verse 30 or chapter 1 30 verse 31 where it says that God was walking through the garden. He looked around and he said behold you know everything was good. Everything was good. I, isn't that a good verse? I like it when he said everything was good. But, and Adam and Eve were in the garden. One, one version called it a paradise of pleasure. I like that. That's cool. It was a good place. I'll, I'll say this. I probably say it every week. You know, the world we live in today is not the world God originally intended. Why do bad things happen? Well, we live in a fallen world, folks. Okay? God isn't making bad things happen to good people. Okay? All right. God isn't making bad things happen to good people. You know, you know, he is not behind these things, okay? He is a, like we sang this morning, it isn't just a song. He is a good God. He is a good God. Bad things happen in this world, and, and I know there's probably, you know, some more in-depth uh, answers to it, but, but basically we live in a fallen world, and, and tragic things happen. In the beginning, though, it wasn't like that. It was a great place, and, and I mean, even Adam, you know, we know he named names, gave names to all the animals. I think Bob Dylan said that once, too, in a song, but, but, but regardless, it's in the Bible, and, and uh, I think that's where Bob got it, and, and uh, so, I mean, Adam, you know, he could hang out with, with animals. He could hang out with horses. He could hang out with zebras. He could hang out with lions and tigers and bears, you know, and things like that. I know, you thought I'd say, oh my. But, but um, the world was a different place. The world was a different place. But in Genesis chapter 3, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that happens is that both Adam and Eve eat of the fruit that God said not to eat of, okay? Eat from uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the first thing that happens in Genesis 3, verse 7, it says this. It says, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So, I mean, how powerful is this vision that was, was opened up? They were walking around in a garden, 
And they didn't even know they were naked because they were so in tune to another realm, they were closed to the natural. That's wild. That's wild. But all of a sudden, sin came, and their eyes were open to another world. You see, that's the world I was accustomed to for 20 years before I got born again. Spiritual things were a mystery. And there is still some mysterious things out there, don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you the thing that happens, and I'll read it in John 3, 3. I think it's interesting that Jesus says this. He said, he answered to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. So when a person is born again, the same thing happens in reverse that happened back in Genesis 3, you know, where Adam and Eve's eyes were open and they saw natural things. When a person gets born again, their eyes get open and they see spiritual things. This is natural stuff for a Christian, okay? We see things. Now, this isn't weird, okay? Do I, I feel like I need to say that sometimes. This is not weird. This is normal. We walk with an unseen God. We, we, we communicate and connect with the Holy Spirit who our eyes don't see. Yet he's more real than the chair you're sitting in. More real. Paul prayed this in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 18, we could read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read verse 18. He says he, he prayed that, taught praying for Christians. He prayed that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that we'd know, that we would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and it goes on. But he prayed that our eyes would be enlightened. The Living Bible, I'm on a Living Bible kick this morning, I guess. He says, I pray your hearts would be flooded with light so that you'd, you'd see something of the future that he's called you to share. I want you to realize that God has been made rich because we who are Christ's have been given to him. Isn't that amazing? Spiritual things are real. So what stood out to me? The man said this. He says, I don't know a bunch of things, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Thank God for vision. Thank God that we see things that we need to know. And I, again, this is not weird stuff, okay? Don't go looking around. Don't go looking for devils on doorknobs, okay? I give the devil very little attention, okay? I, I, I give it this much. I know he's there. I know he's real. But I don't fix my eyes on what he's doing. Oh, pastor, don't you know there's demonic power? Well, Jesus, Jesus power. There's Holy Ghost power. And, and I got saved. You know, I don't, I, I never tell this, but I got saved and immediately came through a deliverance ministry back in, back in the 70s. Yeah, I'm that old. It was back in the 70s, okay? 70s, you know, it was a great decade, if you didn't know that. <laughs> we had the best music, the best, that's when I got saved. Anyway, anyway. Every generation thinks theirs is the... Anyway, but any case. But I got saved through a deliverance ministry. First thing they did is they pulled me into a room and they cast devils out of me. Can I talk about these things in church? Yes. I, I remember... You want to hear the story? 
I, I, this is like the second night I was a Christian. I got born again at a gospel meeting. And then immediately the next day they took me to this, this other church meeting. And, and uh, this guy was talking about deliverance. And it was a big craze back in the 70s, I can tell you. And, and uh, after I knew the whole time I was in this service that it was in a denominational type of church. But the guy that was preaching was not very denominational, if I could say it that way. And, and uh, I knew the whole time during the service that afterwards it had been arranged that I would go and meet with this guy and he'd pray for me and, and I, he'd go through deliverance, okay? Frankly, it made me a little nervous. I was a little bit twitchy about it all. Because, you know, I'd seen the movie. And, and, and before, okay, so the whole service gets over and, and you know, we go sit in the, the sanctuary and we're waiting to go into the pastor's office. And before I go in, again, it's okay I tell these things, right? All right. Before I go in, this sweet little lady gets before me and her husband. And I'm telling you, if there was ever a picture of a Sunday school looking person, this, this lady just taught Sunday school is what it looked like to me. And I'm sitting here, you know, I'm a, I just been delivered from drugs and, you know, kind of the picture of the 70s person, you know, had my fringy jacket, my long hair, and just kind of sitting there going, yeah, yeah, oh, you know, and, 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 and this, this, this uh, very sweet looking lady goes in there and, and uh, she's getting prayer before me and I'm, there's nobody in the church. It wasn't. You know, it was just nobody there except me and the guy that brought me and this minister and the pastor and, and this couple that went in there and another guy that was ministering with this guy. And, and I'm telling you, we're sitting there and the, 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 the lights in the church began to flicker. I tell you not. It was, it's like the people. Anyway, it was just the lights flickered and I heard a growl like a bear come out of the office. And, and uh, I was sitting there in my mind. I thought, well, she looked like such a sweet lady. And then the next thought I thought is, and you're next. <laughs> and I seriously, I sat there for about an hour with the guy that brought me. And, and uh, um, I did not intend to go here this morning, but anyway, I just go with these things. But uh, anyway, I'm just sitting there, and I was getting a little more nervous. And then finally, after about an hour, the guy that, that uh, was an assistant to the minister, he traveled with him. He comes out and he says, you know, it's getting kind of late. It was getting close to midnight. And, 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 and he says, I think we're going to have you just come out to uh, this other place tomorrow where you'll get ministry to. And he said to me, he says, just whenever you think of it, just say, I renounce you, devil, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you what, I think I said that thing a thousand times in the next 24 hours. I just, I was not going to have any part of the devil. I break his power in the name of Jesus. You know, there's power in the name of Jesus. And I'll just tell you this. The next day I went out to get prayed for, and this guy, he was, he was a case. But, you know, that's what he did. He'd, he'd, been a, he'd been a warlock, his family, before he was a Christian. And, and he, he did things like astral projection and all this kind of stuff. Then he got born again, and, you know, and he'd been a Christian for many years, I found out later he went to the same church that, that I was attending at the time, which was a big church in downtown Minneapolis. And uh, 
But anyway, he, uh, he was full of the Spirit of God, and he, he prayed for me. And I'll tell you, it was as easy as getting a haircut or something. And I just walked out of there feeling 10 feet tall. And I was like, yeah, I am free. And I'd been, I was messed up, you know. I, I, I had tried to do things on my own, get, get out of things, and couldn't do it. But I'm telling you what, God's for you, and he's not against you. I was going to tell you a couple other testimonies. I'm kind of on a roll of this today. You know, you have encounters with God. You see things, you know, spiritually speaking. They help you. They don't hurt you. They deliver you from fear. They don't put fear in you. Are you out there today? They bring you to places of understanding. They don't lead you into the land of confusion. Are you out there? Good. So we've been to a bunch of weddings this month, and, and uh, we were at one week or two, a week ago, I guess. And, and uh, you know, we are you know, sitting at the reception, and we had the greatest time. We had these, there's this number of people at the table, but there was two... Uh, women that, that were from Japan, and uh, they're the sweetest people, you, you, you know, you could imagine. This one that was sitting right next to me, she began to tell me her, her testimony, and I was like, I was all, I was glued to it. I was like, wow, tell me every detail. But she came over from Japan, and she let me know that, that less than 1% of the people there are Christians. And she said, you know, she was a Buddhist. She's a Buddhist. And she came to America and, and uh, wanting to know the culture of the people ended up going to church. <laughs> so she goes to church and it was a spirit-filled church. And she's minding her own business, and they're singing songs like, you know, you'd, you'd expect. And, and, and she said she thought something went wrong with the sound system because she heard thunder coming from above her. And she looked around, and it seemed that no one else heard what she was hearing. No one else. Thunder. Sound familiar? All of a sudden, she looks up and... The ceiling's gone, and some man is standing there and says to her, I'm the righteous one. And this woman didn't know anything. She was a Buddhist. She just broke. She began to cry. And you know, it took people coming along afterwards to tell her that was Jesus. She was so open, she just received him. And, and then, then the other woman there at the table told her story. She was from Japan as well. And, and in her, you know, I suppose when you go to a different country, you can kind of, they, they, they give you advice. And again, they told her you should go to check some churches out. She said she went to one church when she came. I won't mention denominations, but she said it was really boring. And she couldn't wait to go, to get out. And then she came, went to another church just to learn about the people. And she had a very similar experience. 
some man who she didn't know appeared in a white suit. Wasn't Benny Hinn. <laughs> she didn't know who it was. And, and, and again, same as the other woman that was telling us her story, she said, I just began to weep and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, what are they doing? They're coming in contact with the loving, good God, Jesus. He stands up and, and people know who he is. Even they don't know him, they know. But it took someone in the church to take her aside and explain it to her and say, hey, that was Jesus. And she says, I want him. To think of him another story. Can I tell stories? What if I don't get to the message? This was a number of years ago. I want to I just say this again. Any experiences you have when they're from God, they bring clarity to you. They don't make you weird. They make you sane. They bring stability in your thinking. They don't bring confusion. Some people have dreams sometimes, and they're all confused. What did that mean? Well, I'll tell you, if God doesn't show you a, an interpretation, put it on the shelf. I'm not even saying it isn't God, but I'm saying don't put that as your focus. God can bring you understanding. So we, we had a chance to kind of strike a friendship with a man here in town several years ago. He's a doctor. I don't know. Anyway, he was Dr. So-and-so. I won't say the name. And he was uh, a mystic. Pastor, you mean you make friends with mystics? Yeah, I'll make friends with anybody. He actually had written a book. He gave me the book. And I read most of it called uh, Spiritual Experiences of a Mystic and, I don't know, something. I wanted to be able to relate to him and connect to him. He actually came to church once. Had him sit in the front row by Dana the whole time. So he's telling us about a vision he had. He'd, he'd studied in the Himalayans with myst, mystic masters. I don't know the terminology. I forget now. But, you know, he, he, he was all in. And, and uh, again, I can tell this, right? So he's telling us this story about a vision he had. And the master that he had studied under in the Himalayans had recently died. And so he had a vision, and we were standing right where this vision he had took place. And he says, it was amazing. I saw my, the master that I studied under, and he came to me, and there was another man there, and his name, he, it was Jesus. And my master said to me, we call him Lord. Dana looked at me and said, you got it right. Isn't that interesting, though, that his master saw Jesus and said, we call him Lord. Now, that's a story in progress because this man, to my knowledge, hasn't crossed over. But I thought about it. I thought, my goodness, God loves the whole world. He's doing everything he can to pull people in. So in Acts 22... 
the Apostle Paul had an experience. It says, uh, verse 6, it's, I'll just read it. It says, it happened as it journeyed and came near Damascus at noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, you understand that at this time that Saul of Tarsus, he was a feared man. If you were a Christian, you did not want to come in contact with this guy. He was, you could say he was the enemy. If there had been a social media, this guy would have been the buzz of social media, and Christians wouldn't have been speaking favorably of him. Okay? Probably. He said, um, I don't know where I was. I fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered and said, who are you, Lord? Interesting. Whoever this was speaking to Saul in this vision, he recognized he was the Lord. And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. But they didn't hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Isn't that interesting? In this whole vision, they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. But Paul saw the light, and he heard the voice. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus. And there you'll be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. Since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came to Damascus. So again, he lost his natural sight in this experience that he's having. So they bring him, you know, to Damascus. And then in, in chapter 9, I'm just going to bop there because it gives a little continuation of this story. Verse 17, it says, uh, well, let me just say this. There was, a, there was a, a Christian man. His name was Ananias. The Lord appeared to Ananias in a vision and said, Lord, I have a, I have a mission for you. He says, I want you to go lay hands on this guy. His name is Saul. I want you to pray for him that he could receive his sight. Ananias knows who this is. And I'm sure in his head there's like a battle going on. Like, my goodness, you want me to go pray for that guy? He's going to have me killed. But that was the instructions he gave. So he went in, he entered into the house, and laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road as you came and sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he rose and was baptized. Interesting thing to me was Saul had an encounter with Jesus, but the Lord saw fit to use the body of Christ to bring him understanding of what had happened. Isn't that interesting? Here again, Acts chapter 10. There's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. You guys know that guy? He's a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He's a devout man one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. But you need to know this guy was not a Christian. He was a good, you know, there are good people out there that haven't stepped into the kingdom. Cornelius is one of them. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius, 
And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send to Joppa, send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, whose, whose house is by the sea. And he'll tell you what you must do. And the angel spoke to him and departed. And Cornelius called his household and servants and a devout soldier from among who waited on him continually, and they explained all the things to them, and he sent them to Joppa. Again, I just want you to, to get this one point again. Here's Cornelius. He has a, a, I would call it a very extraordinary experience. He sees an angel from heaven, comes and gives him a message, but again, it takes the body of Christ to bring the understanding to his spiritual experience. Isn't that something? Why didn't the angel just say, hey, you could, this is what you do. Repent, call on the Lord, ask Jesus into your life. He says, go and get Peter. He'll come and tell you what to do. And we've read the story many times in this church. But you know, when Peter came, I tell you, they were eager. They were eager, a bunch of people. They couldn't even wait for him to finish preaching. It wasn't rude either. They just received the Spirit of God. It fell on each of them. You know, spiritual hunger will draw things out of the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Did you hear that? Spiritual hunger puts a pull on God. It causes things to happen. It's an amazing thing. Well, I don't know if I'm hungry. Well, pray, pray to God. Make me hungry, Lord. I've, I've prayed that more than once. Let me just go back to this in the couple minutes that you're going to extend to me. Um, in John 9, I, I don't want to not bring this out. Again, reading through the gospel, reading through this, you know, Jesus stories I feel like every week we could be talking about healing because healing was such a part of Jesus ministry everywhere he go he goes he's teaching preaching and healing okay so in John 9 it says they passed by they saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him said rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind I'll just stop for a second. You see, there was a common belief in that day that if somebody was born blind like that, it was because of sin. Be well, in, in some ways, they're right. It's because sin entered the world. It's because we live in this world that's been tainted by sin. But it didn't necessarily mean that the parents had sinned. I mean, what did the boy do in the womb? Was he smoking cigarettes in his mom's womb? Or what did he do? I mean, playing, play, playing poker, gambling, Stealing, I don't know what he was doing. No, he wasn't. Wrong thinking like that can hold a person back from receiving what God has for him. Okay? Jesus said it straight. He said, neither. You see the word in chapter 3? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And if I were to make the translation which I did not. Can I say this too? The Bible translations that we have today, the quotations and the punctuations in them are not always necessarily inspired by God. If I were to re write this, I would have put a period right after neither had this man sinned nor his parents sinned, period. And then read on, new sentence, but that the works of God should be revealed to him. I'll work the works of him who sent me. What I'm saying is, don't go into some rut thinking that God made this man blind 
so that Jesus could come along and heal him. See, that's not how God works. Jesus worked the miracle because God loves people, okay? He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night's coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground. There you go. Made clay with saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And he went and washed and came back seeing. How interesting Jesus was. How controversial was that? He spits makes mud, puts it in his eye. I wonder if there was a healing line, how many people sat down when they saw him operate that way. <laughs> then you go on to the verse again that stood out to me. I'm just going to read that again. It said, he answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I was reading it again, and the other part of the verse stood out to me. One thing I know. You know, when it comes to receiving from God, you can get tripped up with too many questions. One thing you need to know is what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Not, well, where did this come from? Who brought it in? What, what, what flavor is it today? No, one thing you need to know. God loves you. And what's he saying to you right now? What's the word he's bringing to your heart in this situation? Because that's where the power is. Let everything else go to the side. Not that questions don't need to be answered. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when it comes to getting something from God, focus on him. What's the one thing he's making real to you? What's the one thing he's speaking to you right now? I'll just end with this this morning. Proverbs 4.18, great verse, says the path of the just is like the shining sun. It shines ever brighter onto the perfect day. God has called you and I to walk in the light. There's stability. I'm telling you what, the winds of this world are going to continue to blow. But there's a place to stand in him. That's what we contend for. Standing strong in perilous times. There's a place of security.